So welcome to the 15th episode of Recreation Therapy, A Canadian Perspective. I'm Mary Doolett. A disclaimer before we start is that I'm currently working as a recreation therapist with Fraser Health, and my views are my own and not um, a reflection of my employer. You may notice that I sound like I have a foot in my mouth, so an extra disclaimer is that I currently have a spacer as I'm having dental surgery. And I will be talking like this for about four months, so I decided to continue on with recordings. An exciting update is that Zoe Chen, my, my former student and current friend, is going to partner with me on this podcast moving forward to help with the editing and making it sound more professional. And when I have my regular speech back, we will do proper recordings of introductions, etc. So I'm going to let Zoe introduce herself so I don't uh, talk too, too much on this episode. Thank you, Mary, for having me on your podcast. My name is Dongzi Chen, and I go by Zoe. I came to Canada in 2011 and have been living in Regina, Saskatchewan since then. I have a BA in psychology from the University of Regina, graduating in 2016. Last month, I completed my Bachelor of Sports Recreation Studies degree in therapeutic recreation at the University of Regina. I'm awaiting to a date um, to take my certification exam with the NCTRC. In August, I completed my four-month internship with Mary in Burnaby, BC on the rehab and recovery team with mental health and substance use services. Uh, prior to entering the field of recreation therapy, I was a community worker and provided in-home support to prenatal and postnatal young families in a variety of areas in Regina. Uh, in addition, I volunteered as a recreation assistant uh, at Adult Inpatient Mental Health Unit at Regina General Hospital and Dr. Paul Schwann Center to assist the in-house rec therapist, physios, and kinesiologists in planning, facilitating recreation activities for adults living with mental health issues and for older adults with mobility issues. Yeah, that's me. Thank you. Sounded very nice coming from you. <laughs> um, me and Zoe were joking earlier when we chatted that um, all the clients and the colleagues that I work with, I open off by saying, just so you know, I have a spacer in my mouth and that's why I'm talking like this. So it's like repetitive yeah. and I focus on it too much. But okay, so we'll get into the questions. Um, when did you first hear about recreation therapy and why did you choose to pursue a career in it? So I first heard about rec therapy when I was uh, taking my psych degree. One of my friends was in therapeutic recreation program and she kind of explained the idea to me. But at that time I did not like fully understand the concept or what exactly rec therapy means. And in 2019, I decided to further my education. And after exploring uh, multiple fields and options, I decided on rec therapy. Um, there are multiple reasons for that. First of all, I have witnessed how powerful and important play is for children in my previous job experience. Um, I realized that even like playing very simple game like can bring many bene benefits to the children and their families. I work with a two-year-old child who has early signs of autism. 
he did not respond to his name. He did not have um, like his first words that or like follow any directions. And to help this little boy, I worked with a speech and language pathologist and provided some easy games to the family to play with the boy. Uh, one of them is just as simple as passing the ball. The kid pick up the game very quickly and you can tell the mom was so happy with the progress when like when she saw the child did it like she was like cheerful and it it was an amazing moment and the boy also had fun so it was not and it was not just fun and joy right like the game provided the opportunities for the child's and the families um, to increase social interactions like they played together and they involved me too and the kids learn rules and instructions and also help with language developments when you said word like roll throw or kick or catch while playing like those are the words that the boy will hopefully pick up so recreations plates a powerful tool and also like so this is like the first examples and reasons that i think i choose recreation therapy and then I also mentioned earlier that I used volunteered at the Adults Inpatient Mental Health Unit at the Regina General Hospital. I mostly work with the in-house rec therapies and artists assist with the Monday paint night. And that was my second time kind of encounter with a rec therapist or someone who are in the field. Um, so he kind of like fully explains like his work, what he it and also like being in the programs uh, also make me feel like it's very um, it was a kind of rewarding and satisfying feeling the program actually grew super fast like the Monday paint night program at the beginning we only had about five participants and then just within a month we have about 15 participants um, most people were hesitant and said that they're not good at drawing when they first joined, but everyone actually enjoyed it after. So we have program evaluation after every session too. It's a, it's a weekly program, so every Monday. And lots of patients actually reported like coming to the program was very calming, fun. Um, they forgot that they were in the hospitals. Um, lots of patient actually come back to the program too like if they're still in um in the hospital like they will come every week so there there are lots of positive feedbacks and i think after learning more about recreation therapy understand that recreation therapy can work in um, many different settings and it works for almost everyone so that's why i choose to be in this part and also you can use my creativity it's a long answer, but I hope I answer your questions. <laughs> no, that was a great answer. I listened to it. Um, you know, I, I did a paint night too when I worked at Saskatoon City Hospital, but it was like during the day. But I would use right. this website that kind of, when I was inpatient rehab and then with on the convalescent unit. And mm -hmm. so some people were like gaining hand function or some people were just like trying to improve mood or whatever. But um yeah, like many people went and they were like, I don't paint, I can't paint. And I was right. like, either can I, and I'm facilitating this program. So um, we would just use the website and it would take you through the steps like a paint night and some people, and they would do like multiple paintings during their stay. Yeah. And they were yeah. so proud of themselves. And some people, it was like they bought stuff. So it was like something they'll continue with. 
Mm-hmm. Then the other piece about play, we were speaking about a client that we worked together with. Um, and yesterday uh, I got the opportunity to go to a Zumba class with her. And I would be someone who would be self-conscious to do Zumba. Um, and it was quite... Um, it was more it was more of an intense one and the facilitator was super fun and super energetic and and it was just an amazing experience and for me too and I think it like builds connection between people because there's a level Mm -hmm. when you're like I'm uncomfortable I mean I think she likes Zumba but you know like just to be a little bit vulnerable with people through activities can really build connection I agree totally and it's sometimes like, like you mentioned, it's like, we're not like as a rec therapist, we don't have to go at uh, many different things, uh, but it's, it's the openness that willing to try and also um, like open up the vulnerability. And also it's um, kind of learn it with the clients. I think that it's part of the process too. We're being resourceful, but also supportive in a way. Yeah. And this episode may have some stories just because me and Zoe worked together for four months. But then and that makes me think about our, our weekly basketball group we did. Hey. And Zoe started off and Zoe was not awesome. And I was, <laughs> awesome, but I was like a little bit better than Zoe. And then Zoe was able in three months to develop some skills and like improve. And I kind of maintained my ability. And one of our clients made it very... Um, well-known and announced that (laughs) so I think like having not being as good as other people you know I mean if it's gonna make you feel better that's wonderful (laughs) I don't care personally that I suck at basketball but I I have fun yeah exactly (laughs) and Zoe Zoe got pretty good (laughs) oh I I'm I'm not sure about that but I, I had fun too right and they and the clients have fun too. So I think that's the most important. <laughs> it was a good group. People yeah. did cancel. They came. It was almost raining. It was like 34 degrees. Okay, we're yeah. not canceling group. That's very impressive for mental health. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think everyone had fun. So that's that's the it's not about basketball skills at that point. It's really about having fun. Enjoy the group activities. That's all about it. Yeah, for most people, except for one, it was about the skills of it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but but I'm pretty sure he enjoyed it too. And he see he himself improve. So yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. There was lots of benefits. Yeah. Um, okay. So how has your four-month internship changed your perception of the field of recreation therapy compared to what you thought when you were in school? Because I know that I had a big shift during my placement about my expectations of the fields like I actually kind of wanted to start my own business when I was in school because I didn't think that um, the level of service that I wanted to provide existed until I did my internship and I was like sweet I just want to work in a health authority okay um I feel instead of like changing the perceptions of the field I feel the four-month internship actually provide me a more concrete ideas on how to apply the theory and the applied process during practice. But I think I hear what you said. Um, I think like we learn so much knowledge and build up a framework during school. And 
um, but then I hardly heard about recreation therapy being applied in such like in such as like community mental health settings prior to my internship so that I think it didn't like switch my perception but it's it was like kind of an eye-opening experience for me and I was like okay so like for me it's more like um I love like work like seeing recreation therapy being applied in the settings make me feel like more like this is the setting that I like that kind of confirmed me that I love working in kind of a community settings and or the population like the mental health population I think that's that it's more of like my it's not a change but it's more like assurance if that makes sense Mm -hmm. like I think like yeah validation and I think like when I was in school uh, or even like with my friends who work as a rec therapist they are mostly in a long-term care setting or a senior home settings Um, so I think that was kind of my expectation too that I might enter this field and work in such settings but I think the the placement kind of opened me up and knowing that there are many other settings out there that I can work in. Yeah. And I will say like, I have worked, I feel like in many settings, rehab, long-term care, community day program, inpatient, all this. And it's funny because I'll be very honest. Everyone knows I was not looking to work in mental health and addictions and Mm -hmm. um, ended up with a job um to come back to BC and every position that I've worked in I've loved and Mm -hmm. I learned something from it I personally like that rehab recovery um community-based setting and that's kind of where I started out you know with my internship and my um pursuits but I think luckily in recreation um therapy no matter what setting we work in we will find a way to support people that's Mm -hmm. like and meaningful um but it's always you know you know what your dreams are but sometimes dreams change like for me I love where I work so much um and I never thought I would (laughs) um okay that's cool yeah and I think I think I still love to explore in different settings it's just um because I have the psychology background and I was like lucky enough to get into the mental health settings, which kind of support me. Like I have the knowledge and skills as well. So I think that that was a great experience for me and it's it's for sure like it's very eye-opening, but I always willing to like, yeah, because I never really try explore in any other settings. And that's part of, I know like, um, part of the thing that I think the school can improve on that because we only have one placement and that only allows us to be in one settings so I hope that if the schools allowed us to be like to have multiple placements but in shorter period of time so that we can explore like more different settings I think that will be that will be awesome Okay, that might answer the, your next question, but I'll ask yeah. it just if you have more to add. Um, 
how did your schooling prepare you for practice? And what recommendations would you make to education institutions to better support students um, now that you've had more experience? Right, so I think the school um, definitely prepared me with a strong foundation and knowledge and theories in recreation therapy. Um, I think those are kind of the foundation and give me the confidence when I practice. Like during placement, you know, you have like those evidence-based research, you know, you have the, the theory when you plan um, the intervention with clients, when you set up goals with clients, you know, they're all, they, they, don't, they all have the evidence and the research to support that. The um, school kind of prepped me for um, the term terminology and the common knowledge. So I'm not getting into the field with like um, knowing nothing, especially for assessments, charting, documentations. Um, I can pick up very quickly because I have learned it from school. So I think that's what schools have prepped me for the practice. And yeah, like I mentioned, something that I hope I can get more from school, it's more um, hand-on opportunities. Because like I said, I only have one placement and it's four months. Um, I love working in mental health settings, but I also love to explore different settings too. Like, um, yeah, it can be any setting. So I, I know like for OT students, they have like six placements throughout their two-year school, uh, but we only get ones in four years program. So I really hope that if we can maybe shorten one placement and then we have multiple opportunities to explore more, that would be, yeah, I think that that would be, that would be awesome. I think because um, the internship is kind of similar to social work and that it's like a right. form of placement because to qualify for the certification exam, you do need the 560 hours. Right. But at Douglas College, what they do, and I'm not sure about some other schools, is they do a six-week placement during the first two years mm -hmm. where you like implement some of those um, skills you've learned so far about like program planning, stuff like this, um, right. individual analysis, um, and then, and then after you have your four months, but the nice thing about Douglas College, which I'm sure some other schools have opportunities. Um, and I think, cause you did two years. Did you do two years at University of Regina for rec therapy? Cause you were an access student. Right. I just checked like their um, head of the program introduction, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't see any, like the six weeks um, placements either but I might I might miss that but I, I did yeah I, I only did like two and a half year for this program because I did transfer some degree from my previous um degree so yeah I'm not sure if the University of Regina does a, a like a two-year mark placement I know the um SAS Polytech does but that's because they're a two-year mm. but um at Douglas College I can only speak from my experiences that mm -hmm. so we six week and then we had the four month but we had so many assignments where we would have to go out and connect with different organizations and do projects right. um, or do like observations mm -hmm. or write research papers on them like provide justification letters to them 
So there are so many like um, points of contact with different organizations and professionals in the field and you got to learn like about the different settings. So it was such a good opportunity to sort of find out more about where recreation is and just sort of connect with the people. Because as you know, when you talk to recreation therapists, they're happy to be like, this is how amazing rec therapy is in this setting. And you're like, oh, okay. For sure, yes. And I think um, my experience will be a little bit different too, because I I took all my classes during COVID time. So right. that was that, yeah, that was when everything was online. It's hard to really connect with like the organizations or even volunteer over there. So yeah, right. it was a, it was a bit different that time. Different times. Yeah. Um, okay. So, okay. When I say you, it's very hard. So you <laughs> are a new national provincial association member. Right. Um, benefits do you feel you would get from these associations and what are you looking forward to accessing? Um, so I'm currently a member of Canadian Therapeutic Recreation Association. Um, some benefits I feel I will get um, will be learning opportunities I think for um, mo- most part. Uh, for example like assessing um, free or discounted webinars which will be great opportunities for building connections too. And I'm also hoping to see more job posting on the website, but I haven't noticed any yet. So yeah, mostly education um, opportunities. That is good feedback about the job postings. It would be nice if it was updated. I know um, BCTRA updates quite a bit the job postings, but honestly, mm. like most people just look on Indeed because those are the most up-to-date ones. Right. Um. Oh, you have to go to a conference as soon as you get an opportunity. Okay. It's so much fun and you get to see so many people that you know or meet new people because everyone's friendly. And it's just like all these in-person education sessions. I mean, hopefully it won't be virtual again this year, but Mm. there's, and there's like social things and like parties at nighttime, you know, like gatherings, um, super fun and like rejuvenating and inspiring yeah that sounds super fun yeah um okay so why are you choosing to get certified and why do you feel it is important for our field okay i i i feel like this is another like long answer that i have like i have a lot to say but i really hope some yeah i really hope sometimes soon that in the future that it won't be a questions because you won't typically ask the engineer or OT and ask them why they get certified, right? So I feel, yeah. So I think that I, I feel like certification and regulation, it's, it's important in the field. But for me, why I choose to get certified, um, if being completely honest, one of the reasons is wages. Um, I choose to get certified because like for those who offer higher wages, certification is usually required. And um, of course, I personally believe that getting certified um, not only demonstrate that I have the knowledge and the skills that I've acquired, but also my commitment to uphold professionalism and standard of practice, and also my commitment to continue learning. And why certification and regulation is important in our field? I can actually name lots of reasons, but first thing come up in my mind is that 
uh, it promotes and guides our practice, and therefore the clients and patient would know what level of service quality to expect. And also, like professional standards and regulations guarantee that we are accountable for our clinical decision and actions, and and that like all of us are committed to maintain competence during our career. So I think that it's kind of important in our field and kind of help clear up the different job titles and various wages and responsibilities too. So yeah, I guess I can speak more, but those are the top three things that I can think of. Zoe, you know, on this topic, I would let you go on for quite some time, but um, I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm really impressed with your answer, especially like just having graduated, you know, there's people in the field that I don't know could give that thorough and insightful of an answer. And um, I appreciated everything you said. Yeah, because I, I, I personally do value that. Yeah, like this profession being regulated um and I I do have like different thoughts and I I think like also hearing your listening to your previous podcast and getting perspective from different people I kind of learned like some challenges and difficulties having the view being regulated but I'm sure there's a way that we can push that forward and yeah, I hope that like the field being regulated like very soon. So that's a good hope. And if we're lucky enough to have you work in BC, I would hope you would join our regulations committee. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So I would love for you to share a little bit about your student learning project that you did during your internship internship and what that learning process taught you about outcome measures can you also share um what it was like to present it you had quite a few people attending um like rec therapists and allied health and um how you think that was perceived by them by them during my placement i i don't know why i always always a bit shy when I share my special project <laughs> but during the placement I created a new recreation therapy outcome management tool for community mental health settings um, so many rec therapists have shared that um, it is challenging to apply the previous use tool to the population that we serve uh, because the tool is objective only it is hard to connect the data and the indicators to uh, the clients so after many researches and discussions with Mary um, and other rec therapists, um, so the new tool was developed. The new tool includes um, an objective part for um, the practitioners to chart the objective outcomes and also includes uh, 15 items like her scales questionnaires, which is a subjective measurement tool for the clients to fill out. Um, so part of my special project is to also present this tool to all rec therapists and um, management team and Ally Health and everyone. Um, I think beside the fact that we encounter some technical difficulties, we weren't able to record and we have the 30 minutes um, Zoom limits. We don't know why, but yeah, other than that's the presentation, I think it went well. Uh, like, like I said, we have like 
I think we have 15 participants. Is that right, Mary? Somewhere right there. Maybe higher, yeah. Yeah, and um, they're like rec therapists from different sites in Fraser House. They're uh, uh, the practice leads in Saskatchewan also attended the presentation. Uh, the rehab team coordinators, um, some OT, uh, OTs from our team also attended the presentation. And I received many positive feedback about the tool. Um, the tools, so like the tools uh, user-friendly, it can easily connect with the clients, less time consuming. Um, and I also got some questions. So for example, if the validity and the reliability being tested and if the language in the tool is simple and appropriate for the target population. I really appreciate those questions and I think if I or anyone else had the opportunities to further work on the project, that will provide a great guideline or a start on what to work on next. And I know the tool has been requested by different rec therapists and we have sent out the copies to everyone. So I hope it is helpful and I hope it's being used in um, the mental health setting soon. So, yeah. Yes. So I was able to use it once before your presentation. Right. And yeah, there was good feedback. I've used it a couple of times since then, you know, at the beginning of service and then I let them know that we'll do it again closer to discharge. Zoe also created a three-minute video that I emailed out to everyone in the Burnaby team, so clinicians, um, and I'm still sending her, I sent you one the other day, an email from feedback from people that watched it and were really impressed because Zoe was hesitant to share it at first because she was like, oh, I'm not happy with my video, and I watched it, and I was like, this is amazing. Um, (laughs) Like, flip a table. Thank you. (laughs) And then... um, yeah, um, I forget what Brett's role is, the clinical or regional OT lead, like really impressed with it. And he's a smart guy, so we're impressed that he's impressed. And then he, it kind of like made him think, oh, we should implement something like this for OT. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to bring it up at our next rec therapy meeting um, to move forward with um, people in community mental health in different regions to use this tool as for stats for management directors, stuff like this, um, instead of the tool that we used before, because, you know, managers need to have stats for stuff to understand it better right. and show need for service. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, Okay, so from your experience, can you speak about the importance of individual assessments, individual interventions, and the benefits of groups, maybe specific to your internship? Yeah, so I think personally, I always value one-to-one assessments and individual intervention, and I'm glad that I was able to do that during my placement. So, um, in community mental health settings, and I'm sure it will be like quite similar in many other settings, but every client is unique. Even they might have the same diagnosis, it can be very different how that impact the clients. So I believe like individual assessments, either formal or informal, it's a must for us to provide either individual interventions or group interventions. I also enjoyed doing individual interventions with clients throughout my placement. I have done walking, playing basketball, rock climbing, crafting, dancing, and many other activities with different clients. So 
most of the clients that receive in the individual intervention has like some sort of anxiety participating in group settings or even just being in the community. So I think like individual intervention play an important role in support clients being in the community and let them feel like more comfortable. And I think that will be the first step before I introduce them to kind of a group intervention of group settings. And I know you asked like the benefit of groups too. I think group activity increase like social interactions and help um, clients kind of like like elaborate the, the social um, isolation. And also I think it's a great way to help them make connection too. So I think um, during our Monday basketball groups, like I know lots of people are anxious at the beginning. They would be like, no, I don't play basketball. Oh, it's a group setting. How many people were there? But every time after every session, like you will always see smiles on their face. Um, it's you always receive good feedback they're they're happier they're they enjoy the sessions and I remember um we also went for a fishing group and it was raining like it was pouring actually or but yeah but everyone still uh, yeah like no everyone shows up and we were so impressed like no one canceled the event so we went and everyone had fun. Uh, we learned lots of like different knowledge about fishing. We try fishing. And I remember what one participant's like, like, I will never really try fishing if it's not with a group of people. But after this, I feel more confident um, going out with my friends if they go for fishing. So I think that's that's why like group settings and group activities are also important. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a nice trajectory for individuals then for them to like practice their skills and gain confidence in a group setting because sometimes it's more appropriate to support them for them to be successful to be in a mental health related group and then mm-hmm. like hope is to transition to feel comfortable in community um, after you've practiced some of those skills. Um, the one thing that was interesting to me when I started this position uh, over a, a year ago was that um, so for some groups, we would get referrals through clinicians or other allied health. Um, and we don't always work individually with these clients that are referred to groups like our walking group or basketball group. So we don't really get the opportunity to do the individual assessment, um, but they're referred for a reason. I would say most of the people who come to our groups are referred through us. So like um, we create the groups, we see a need, but um, yeah, I was hesitant at first. I was like, how are we going to support people when we don't know like all these things and we don't know what we're working on, but it works out as well too, because people are open. You do get an opportunity to look at their chart before or ask the clinician if there's anything right. of concern or ask them what support they would like. Um, but it's kind of interesting because I know I have talked to people in the field um, that not everyone does an individual assessment and like some people don't review charts because um, they feel like the client will tell them what they need to know. And I think there's like mixed 
views on that. I would be someone who would read the chart thorough, do a thorough assessment. Um, that's how I feel like I can support them better, but I know um, that's not the way everyone does it. Yeah, and I think that will be also partly kind of like different type of assessment. Like you can do initial assessment in many different ways, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the more like informal. Right. Um, cool. And then sometimes we're like, you seem like you would benefit from more help. Would you like an individual referral? <laughs> Get the referrals that way. Um, okay, so that, that, that. And then, okay, what have you noticed about varying job titles, wages and responsibilities um, during your current job search? Yeah, so it's it's a bit challenging right now, like, because of that, like the different job titles, I actually have to search multiple keywords to make sure I don't miss anything that I'm interested. I think when I answer these questions, I kind of type back to like the certification and regulation thing. Um, yeah, like, Right now, the job title includes rec recreation therapist, recreation coordinator, leisure coordinator, program facilitator, activity coordinators, and more, like you name it. And the wages vary from uh, about $22 to $49 per hour. And the responsibilities is also like different. Um, like, of course, they have similarity, but um, like they can be like very different too. So that's what I have noticed during my job search. It's not that friendly to like to someone who's looking for like entering the field. Because if you don't have the knowledge about like all the job titles, you might miss some good opportunities. And that could be, yeah, that could be very challenging for, for someone um, that like a fresh grad. So that's what I found. Mm -hmm. yeah the only one with really consistent job titles are health authorities right and I and I really appreciate that and right now I think mostly when I'm doing job search I still like the first keyword that I will enter is recreation therapist and I think that's I think that's what I hope after our field getting regulated will be the one that will be the title that being used so yeah that's a good segue to this question so um are you surprised about how difficult it is to find a quality job in recreation therapy now that you have the qualifications and experience can you share your current struggles and hopes um in the process and what surprises you i will just like give a definition when I say quality job, like I do often talk about health authority jobs as the standard because I feel like you're required to practice the standard, you're supported to practice the standard, the responsibility and um, wage, everything is to standard. Um, so that's kind of what I mean when I say quality job in rec therapy. Yeah, when I look at this questions, um is that quality job, my definition is like, it's very similar to yours. And I, what I was also thinking is those who actually require certification. And if you look at the job markets, there's actually um, like many of 
the settings they don't require. What surprised me is also that because I'm also looking at some、uh, recreation assistant jobs,、um, and I see like lots of them for the、uh, rec assistant. They are actually not reporting to a recreation therapist. Like they can report to.、Um, Many other like health professional or even just、um, a supervisor of the organization or the coordinator of the organizations and、um, and I and I I'm not sure I don't have an idea I'm not I wonder if that like a recreation assistance can be regulated too like while recreation therapists being regulated that yeah like that part of responsibility can be clear out. If that makes sense, I think that's a good insight because, like in the BCTRA roles and responsibilities, a rec assistant should report and follow the guidance of a rec therapist.、Um, and also, like when I spoke to Trisha on the first episode from Douglas College, it's kind of like that's the purpose as well of the difference between a diploma and a degree.、Mm-hmm. Um, So, like the rec assistant isn't taking on more responsibilities that are kind of outside the scope. And for me, like I know when I was looking for a job, I was gonna settle too for a rec assistant job, and I think that's so sad because it's like, and I feel for you, and I feel for your struggle right now looking for a job because it can be like disheartening sometimes.、Um, because it's like, well, if a diploma level graduate. Is qualified for a rec assistant, but I have a degree and I have, you know, and I'm getting certified like within a month,、um, and I have to take this job that, you know, I'm not using the clinical skills that I've learned,、um, I'm not using the level of education that I have acquired, and I think that's the thing that happens sometimes is that then you're using some of those skills that you have acquired that you do know, because why wouldn't you? But it's like. It's not helpful because it shows that you can do more than that role is requiring you to do. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's that's of course one of the challenges that I'm facing right now, and I yeah I totally feel it's. I think it's it's mostly feeling that my knowledge and the skills that I acquired not being recognized. And yeah, that's that's mostly how I feel during job hunt. Yeah, but I think I think we have good standards, and I know sometimes like people will say, you know, take a rec assistant job just to be internal. People get to know you, and I mean that has its benefit as well because it could lead into a rec therapist job.、Um, sure. It's just it's a a bit of a, a settling feeling for me. It would be, but.、Um, I have no doubt that you will land a good job, especially after people listen to this podcast. Hopefully, <laughs> thank you. Yeah,、uh, um, yeah. We we keep trying to get you at Fraser Health, so hopefully. Um. Okay. So we learn about culturally competent care in school. Um. But can you share the your experience of speaking multiple languages and how that contributes to better client outcomes and interdisciplinary collaboration? I know that it was super helpful. Even your insight into like um different dynamics between like family members was really helpful. Right. Um. Yeah. I think. Um.、Uh... 
the language parts, I know it could be sometimes a barrier too, because English is not my first language. And when connecting with English、uh, speaker, I found like they're also a challenge for me too. However, because I speak another language, it can be a blast. I think like for me, because that I know another language, I'm more aware of the language difference and the culture differences that may affect、um, assessments, interventions. And everything when interacting with clients,、um, I think we do have a good example during my placements. I have a client; um, she、uh, only speak Mandarin, and from previous notes by clinicians,、uh, it is noted that she has cognitive impairments and like she, she's very dependent on her families. Um, she's um. She's lack of insights doesn't share a lot, but after I、uh, met her and interact with her, I think that the reason she like was let's say diagnosed with、um, a cognitive impairment is mostly because her language barrier. She tends to be more um, um, shy when it's around.、Uh, People that speak English,、uh, and she's actually very independent. When like she she's willing to share her insights with me when we speak like Mandarin, she's clearly like she can say、um, yes or like she will share her like and dislikes very upfront. She does has、um, lots of insights in different things.、Um, you do need to kind of like dig in more to let her share more, but <clears throat> I also found that. Because one of the concern for her is like she lives very like she like rely on her families, but that's we believe it's also the family dynamic. I think in the culture that mom is always being very protective on their on their children. Even their children have grown up because they're living together. The mom is always being like she treat herself as like the. The power of the house, and it's it's kind of normal in that culture. So we need to be mindful of that, and also be respectful of that. But also kind of start to remind the mom that、um, the client need to ha- have her level of independence too. So I think for me, knowing that culture backgrounds, understand the culture, really helped me bond with the family. And like at the end, it was just.、Um, Thing was, I only have like three sessions, four sessions with the clients within the three weeks, and I already develop a very good relationship with the families, the clients and the mom, and also、um, so、we were able to have a very in-depth assess- assessment with the clients, knowing that clients' abilities, knowing clients'、um, like or dislikes in recreation、uh, activities. And also, kind of get some insights and help the occupational therapist to develop her further intervention plans, and also、um, give recommendation for the clinician to further help the the clients. So I think that's kind of like the reason I was able to do it in a very short period of time is because I have the cultural backgrounds, and I was able to develop that relationship with the families. So. 
that's for sure one of the benefits um, of speaking multiple language and coming from another cultural background. I know I feel like health authorities could develop a position just for you because like I was so impressed with that um, individual's progress. Like obviously we can't say too much, but the clinician spoke Mandarin as well and was not able to, you know, see the client's level of independence. And in a couple of sessions, Zoe was able to like determine they can take transit on their own, they can like manage their own finances, like all these things they can do that require someone to be quite independent. Mm -hmm. And then also like the recommendations that you made. So through the mother like talking to the mother if the goal is to support independence then talk to the client they're able to make decisions for themselves they're able to remember appointments why are we going through the mother so I think that was a huge uh, recommendation um, that I reiterated um, after you left the importance of that for the client's you know self-esteem autonomy and if you're wanting to build independence um, like let's treat the person like an adult that's capable as they are mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for sure so I think you made a big difference in that person's life and their families that I mean more challenging for the mother than the client but uh, I think really <laughs> yeah. probably was um, uh, motivating for the client to finally feel heard um, mm -hmm. yeah and she will be one of the clients that really want to work with her to see more progress mm -hmm. and yeah like I really want to just because it was just such a short period of time and I see lots of potential in that client and I know that she could do more so mm -hmm. yeah for sure it's it's a very re rewarding experience and I feel bad that I'm the one to follow up because I only speak English um, but I can work with the clinician who speaks Mandarin and then because the family can't translate either. But um, it was nice that Zoe got to introduce us and notice how shy the client was around me. And then after just spoke yeah. to her a bit about, you know, like debrief what happened there. You were different when Mary was there, you know, to provide a good transition um, so that things don't get dropped. Yeah. And I'm sure she will enjoy working with you, too. I'm and sure it should open up. Yeah, and the apple juice that their family gave me, I still have in my fridge because before, <laughs> before I have my surgery, I'm supposed to have one cup of juice. And I was like, I'm going to take that box Here of Here we drink. go. <laughs> drink it. Yeah. <laughs> Works perfectly. Right? <laughs> they predict the future. Yeah, thank you for my juice. Yeah. Um, okay. Great answers. Um, so this is the last question, actually. Um, where do you see the profession in 10 years? And what do you hope to have accomplished in the field by that time? Ooh. So in 10 years, I hope for sure this profession being regulated and recognized more. I hope there's uh, lots of job positions out there for our profession. Um, yeah, like right now, OT is so in demand. Um, that is because their profession is being recognized. And, and I hope uh, recreation therapy can also be recognized as well. And I hope that it's not in 10 years. I hope that it happens sooner than that. <laughs> Maybe in five years, just a good hope. 
I guess. And where do you like? What do I want to accomplish in the field by that time? I I also like sharing, so maybe, um. I hope that I will take. I hope I will be a mentor, uh, for some students. I think that's that's something that, after I get certified and after I have enough experience, that's something that I will willing to do. Um, also, because I love sharing, so maybe, I don't know if I can be a teacher instructor in ten years, but. I hope there's an opportunity for me to share my experience or what I have learned, um, my skills, my knowledge, information that I got, my resources, um, to yeah, to someone in the fields or even for students or other rec therapists. So that's something that I would love to do. Yeah, me and Zoe are gonna be teachers. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think it's. I I always like I think when I was little, one of my dream is become a teacher, like a love sharing. So yeah, so maybe in the future I might become a teacher. We'll see. Yeah, we just have to go for a master's. Yeah, yeah, but it's possible for sure. Um, thank you so much, Zoe. I really appreciate this episode. And even though I sound like this, um, I think it's going to be a very meaningful episode with people. And I look forward to hearing about your job search. And in the meantime, that you can just relax and while and study for your certification exam. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being on the episode and partnering with me moving forward. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay. Well, have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye.